Hello there, and welcome back to another episode of Local Legends New England. My name is Kyle Newton, and today's story will actually be a little different than as planned. I know I promised the legend of Stark Cemetery, which I will post in the upcoming weeks, but I thought I'd take a little detour and acknowledge how it takes many people of all types to build a community. If I'm going to claim that my podcast is in fact about New England's local legends, I should do more than just discuss ghost stories, witchy tales, and cursed Yankees. Before colonial America, an entire society of people inhabited these lands. They had their own history, regions, and lifestyles. Stories passed down generation to generation in hopes of helping to teach about the wildlife, crops, and nature in general that surrounded them. In New England, the settlers wouldn't have survived if it wasn't for the aid of the Native Americans who already lived here. From those included in the Wabanaki Confederacy and First Nations people along the East American Canadian coast, to the mighty Mohawks in western New England, and so many more, I'd like to dedicate this episode to all of you, as well as any further stories I tell involving Native legends. Tonight's legend involves an iconic image anyone who has visited New Hampshire knows all too well, the Old Man of the Mountain. Although the familiar rocky outline along the Cannon Mountainside fell back in 2003, it is still the state emblem of New Hampshire and holds importance to most people who live in the White Mountains region. From what I was able to discover, the Native American legend referred to it as the Great Stone Face and, ha- and is based in the Pemigewasset people's legend. These people came from the unity of disbanded tribes being chased down by Mohawk raiders from the Hudson Valley who took part of the Abenaki people for refuge. Together they fended off raiders under a new name inspired by the strongest warrior between them, Pemigewasset. The two sides chose what we know now as Vermont to be the battleground. Within the fighting, Pemigewasset fought bravely, but was eventually injured in his foot, an injury that would plague him for the rest of his life. Then, one day, meant for both sides to meet and discuss, a strange turn of events occurred. The Mohawk chief's daughter, Minerwa, crossed paths with Pemigewasset and the two fell in love. As a grand gesture to help end the war, a proposal of marriage was made. For many years to come, the Mohawk and Pemigewasset tribes knew peace and harmony. By the time Pemigewasset had turned gray with age, he and his wife, or squaw, were given news by Mohawk scouts that Minowa's father was dying, and he had requested her return. Pemigewasset wished to travel with Minerwa, but was unable to traverse the valley's jagged terrain with his injured foot. So, an idea was crafted. Pemigewasset would travel until his injured foot could make him travel no longer. From there, only the strongest and most trusted warriors would travel with Minerwa to her father's wigwam. From there, they'd help her return upon the chief's burial. Once the plan was agreed upon, Pemigewasset traveled with Minowa until his injury prevented him from traveling any farther. Before leaving, Minowa promised to be back by fall's full moon. The lovers bid each other farewell 
and Pemajawasset stayed on the tallest peak of the valley to trade smoke signals with Minerwa and the traveling warriors. When the smoke signals could no longer be seen by one another, Pemajawasset returned to his wigwam and waited with building excitement for his squaw's return. That year's fall, fall full moon came and went with no sign of smoke signals from Minnewa's traveling band. Days turned into weeks, and Pemajawasset could no longer contain his anxiety. So, he decided to return to the highest peak where he could best see any incoming smoke signals. His warriors became concerned as the cold chill of snow rested on the wind. They returned to their chieftain to find he remained on the edge of the cliff, repeating, She shall return. She shall return. They pleaded with their chieftain to join them, but he refused all requests. In the end, Pemajawasset demanded a small structure be built so he may reside atop the mountain's edge until his beloved should return. Fearing what may result, his warriors made one last attempt to convince Pemajawasset to return to his wigwam. When he refused, his warriors built the small structure and left him for the winter. When the winter had come to its end, neither Minowa nor Pemajawasset had returned. The warriors who left Pemajawasset journeyed to the mountainside. They climbed its peak to find the small structure still remained. Once inside, they found what they all had feared, the remains of their warrior chief, Pemajawasset. As the warriors removed Pemajawasset's body from the mountain, it is said an avalanche from the remaining snow along the mountain's summit broke the very cliff his structure rested on. When his warriors looked back from their safe distance, they noticed a new feature resembling a familiar hard jawline and prominent eyebrow their chieftain had been known for carved into the granite mountainside. Since Pemajawasset's death, the great stone face has always been highly respected by any and all who reside within the valley. A further notion of respect for this great warrior chief was added when the very river that travels beneath the cliffs was named after him. To this day, you can still go to the state park that teaches some of the history, as well as a steel profiler, where you can see what the old stone face looked like before tumbling down the mountainside in 2003. To anyone passing through the Franconia Notch of New Hampshire, please take some time to stop and appreciate the memory of this mountainside that was once described by Nathaniel Hawthorne as a work of nature in her mood of playfulness. And that's the legend of the Old Man of the Mountain. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the story. I'll be working on telling more Native American legends so that it can be an equal split of native and colonial legends to show that they both helped build New England, the one that we all know and love. If you like this story, please follow my podcast for more episodes, as well as later this week when I take a closer look at The Legend of the Great Stoneface. Until next time, my name is Kyle Newton, and this is the Local Legends New England Podcast. Thank you for listening, my friends. Have a good night, and please, be safe out there. <laughs>